scenes with Smashville's favorite team. This is the Preds Official Podcast with Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer. Now on 102.5 and 106.3 The Game and NashvillePredators.com. It is time for another episode of the Predators Official Podcast. Welcome in, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer here with you. Our special guest this week coming up here shortly will be Wayne D. And if you've been to a game in the last three seasons, you've seen Wayne. He does a great job. He's the end game host in Smashville Bridgestone Arena. And his job is to get you fired up. And sometimes even you, Kara. Even though you're you're working on television, but to get you fired up, you know. Well, you know, I was uh, Wayne D joined Willie and Mace on the broadcast on Saturday night. You know, I told you we were doing our special yep. in the stands, and he came on, and I was I was so fired up watching him. I mean, he had you know the upper bowl, lower bowl. He he had the entire crowd into it, and I was like, this guy is awesome. Well, I'm going to be honest. I decided, because we talked about this last week on the podcast, you were going to do different things where you guys are going to be scattered all around the place. And I've got to be honest because I know all of you. I wanted to see that. I knew if I was there, I was planning on going, but I was like, I really wanted to see this. Now, I know we have the ability to record and all that, but yeah, maybe I just didn't. I was like, this is an excuse to be lazy too and stay home on a Saturday night. So I did. I stayed home and I watched it. And by the way, you guys did a fantastic job. It looked like you were having way too much fun. But you're right. It was something totally different where you guys were in different locations, different places. I mean, Hal Gill, Skillsy's buying beer, you know, at the concession stand. I mean, hot dogs and, you know, turn Skillsy loose in the stands, which can be a scary proposition, but it all worked out. It looked really good. Well, you know, I think my favorite thing was it was so good to have Crispy back on the broadcast. It felt like old times. But of all of that, Darren, I told our bosses, Bob Cole and Bill Wickett, we need a camera on Chris Mason and Willie Donick during every game. Because if you're watching these guys, I didn't realize that half the time Willie is, is juking like he's a defenseman, you know, while he's calling the game. Chris Mason is kicking his legs up like he's UC Saros making the saves. We need this every night. Well, they had a great vantage point. I love that area. I've spent many, 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 many seasons. Uh, that's the area I would stand a lot for games. Yeah. And so, the, the, you know, mom. yeah, yeah. And so they were definitely into it. It had to have been a little bit different having that set up. But I, I'm assuming you got a chance to talk to them. I'm assuming they loved being down that low, I guess. I know up top you can see things develop and you can see things a little bit differently, but being down there in the action amongst the fans had to have been cool. Well, and I think the lower you get, it reminds you how fast the game is, the speed of the game. You know, it, you just every level you get closer to the ice, you realize how fast they're going. And I think that's one thing Willie and Chris talked about is when they're up high, you know, you're seeing the game, you're breaking it down, but when you're down in it, it just brings you right back into what's happening right there on the ice. So I'm assuming Lindsay Rowley survived 303. <laughs> she said it was totally awesome. She, she goes, you know, I, I didn't ever really realize 
what these fans are like when right. I'm, you know, on the concourse and they come up and they say hi. She goes, but when you're in it, man, she said she was having so much fun. Every time the camera shot to her, she was doing the cheers and meeting all the fans and, you know, just kind of uh, really showcased what Smashville is. Yeah, uh, it's it is quite the experience like no other. Uh, I've, I, t- I think I said this last week. I've done it once and it is. It's just you have to experience it to really yeah. understand what what you're about to go through. And she didn't say there for a whole game. Think about doing it for a whole game. You're exhausted. I mean, you really are. Oh. You're exhausted. I think she did it for most of a period, right? Most of the period, which makes me think of, you know who I always feel should be the most exhausted? It's not even NHL fans, but the soccer fans. Have you been to a Nashville SC game? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they and the person that plays the drums that entire game, I mean, you got to be doing cardio in the offseason to get prepared for what's happening during the game. Well, the the look, I don't pretend to know. I know I've talked to them about this, but, you know, like they have like the leaders of these groups. And they're like up on a, like a platform yeah. and they're facing them. The action's behind them. And like you said, they just literally sit there and jump up and down the whole game. <laughs> it is. I get exhausted just watching them. It is we're, amazing. we're not in shape for these. <laughs> no, we're not. We are not. Hey, let's do this. We're, by the way, we're going to have Wayne D join us. Uh, as I mentioned, he's coming up here shortly. He's in the on deck circle. We just had a birthday birthdays yesterday, so we're 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 doing this the day before the game against Los Angeles uh, Saturday night in Smashville. The Keens are coming to town, and you've got a couple of former Predators on that LA roster. But we're taping this on a Friday. Yesterday, let's start with a guest that we had on recently, the one, the only. Pete Weber. I know there's a bowler, Pete Weber, but he is he's not our Pete Weber. The one and the only Pete Weber who just uh, had a birthday yesterday. He told us about the procedure that he was going to have on his brain where they were going to relieve or remove fluid so it would help him out tremendously. He did that on a Monday. Remember, he told that to us on the POP, and that Saturday night he was doing a game. The game. The game. He had that on Monday at Vanderbilt, Saturday night at Bridgestone Arena. He was doing the game. That was so I cool have, to see. I have no there words. Here. I know. He's Pete Weber. He's unstoppable. <laughs> he is. He's back, is more importantly. He is back. So happy birthday, Pete Weber. Also, Emma Lincoln, who joins us a lot here on the Predators Official Podcast, the beat writer. For the Preds, uh, her birthday, she learned, or she didn't learn that. She learned that she shared it with Pete Weber yesterday. And I don't know if you know this, Kara, Dolly Parton's birthday was yesterday too. Dolly Parton. She is Tennessee. Uh, like, right? Y- yes. Like, yeah. if you answer no, I one, I think the mics would just turn off, right? And then the, the podcast would end like she absolutely is. So yeah, Dolly Parton, Pete Weber, Emma Lingen yesterday sharing the same birthday. Well, you know, it's interesting. I asked Crispy once last year during his farewell tour of if you could have one celebrity come on the show, mm-hmm. who would it be? Did and in see? my mind, he's going to say 
Dolly Parton because yeah. that would be my pick, right? Sure. Would, would that be your? Dolly that would be your pick, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton would be my pick. Okay. She'd come on the broadcast. Let's put her in the booth with booth with Willie and, and Mace, and you know, do the game. But his pick was Barbara Mandrell. Yep. She's also a big Preds fan and has been mm-hmm. been a frequent visitor, a well, season ticket holder. Yeah. At Bridgestone Arena of the Preds. Uh, you know, it is hard, as you know, Kara, to be universally, 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 why can't I say <laughs> that word? Universally loved. Why was that so hard? Um, Dolly Parton is universally loved. She is. Like, there's like no detractors. You say Dolly Parton, and everybody goes, oh, I love Dolly, right? Like, that is hard to do, to be famous and to basically be loved by all. She's Dolly. I mean, she's she's Dolly. Like, there's no athletes like that. There's no coaches. There's nobody in sports like that, right? Because you're naturally going to have detractors from other fan bases, right? Like, you can't be universally loved in sports. But Dolly, in the entertainment business, and she's a musician, as an actress, she is universally loved. I've never heard anybody say one bad word about Dolly Parton. No. Or Pete Weber. <laughs> or Pete Weber. <laughs> I'll throw that in there, too. All right, let's come back. We'll talk with Wayne D., in-game host in Smashville at Bridgestone Arena. He's going to tell us some stories. We'll do that next here on the Predators Official Podcast. Back here on the Predators Official Podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer rolling right along here on this episode, we told you we're going to catch up with the in-game host at Bridgestone Arena. If you've been to a Preds game, you know who we're talking about. He goes by Wayne D, and he now joins us on the P.O.P. Wayne, what's going on? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, is anybody else still hot, tired from the three and four, or is it just me? <laughs> <laughs> we're all tired. <laughs> I appreciate you having me today, guys. Yeah, thanks for doing this. So let's just start with, look, I've been here, Wayne, from the beginning. So I've seen a lot of people in-house, the in-house hosts, right? Someone to get the crowd into it and to do these things during timeouts. And I've seen a lot over the years. I got to be honest, we've never met. So I'm just going to say this on the front end for, you know, people are going, well, yeah, you're probably, you and Wayne know each other really well. You both do, Ray have radio backgrounds. And I'm like, no, I've never met Wayne D. I've seen you and admired you from afar. And I'm just telling you, that's something I couldn't do. Uh, and I appreciate the work you do. You do a really good job of, of keeping everybody in it and uh, getting everybody hyped and so uh, that's just my perspective from afar. We've never met. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a great gig. Um, it's something that, I mean, you, you get with a radio background. We are in a studio and we're hoping someone's listening, right? So to get the instant gratification of 17,000 plus 40 plus nights a year is pretty exciting. Uh, and the fact that I'm entrusted with a gig like that uh, with such a franchise as the Preds, I mean, there's a million people that would trade places with me, but I ain't giving it up <laughs> until they lock me out. <laughs> <laughs> until the key doesn't work, right? Exactly. So how did this all come about? Was it a phone call? Was it an email? Did you try out, open tryout? Like, tell us the background of how this happened. So um, I started 
getting my 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 feet wet with game hosting. My first radio gig was in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, they have a massive Division One hockey program there. I mean, if they like hockey lot, in Minnesota, is that what you're telling us? I've he- I've heard that they do. I didn't see it as much when I lived there. <laughs> um, but I mean, some some massive names have gone gone through that program, and for St. Cloud being such a small city, so I had hosted a couple of uh, of intermission games there because they got sponsors giving away cell phones. And I'll say it was so long ago, the phones we gave away were flip phones from Sprint. That's all I'm going to say there. But uh, so I did a little bit there. And then as I changed radio jobs, I ended up uh, back in Minneapolis where I'm originally from. And the pro lacrosse team was looking for an in arena host. And I was like, well, like sign me up. Uh, Fast forward. I end up in Vegas. Um, I spent three years with uh, the golden Knights, their first three years. Uh, my radio job brought me to Nashville. Uh, I love the interaction, like the the instant gratification, the relationships you build. I mean, literally, I'm a I'm the same as any fan that's sitting in the building. The only difference is they hand me a microphone to yell what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when when my move came to Nashville, all the game ops crew talked behind the scenes, and they were like, "Hey, Vegas is like one of our guys is is on his way to Nashville. We don't know if he needs somebody." And uh, Ben, who was uh, who was in charge at that time and reached out to me and he's like, Hey, you know, we saw you do your thing in Vegas. They talk a lot, you know, and they share notes a lot on the game presentation side. And, uh, I had always admired, uh, the Preds as an organization. Um, so when they were like, Hey, we don't have a host. What do you think? I mean, they didn't even have to talk money or talk anything like don't tell them, but I might've done this for free. <laughs> yeah, well, you just told them Wayne, but we, you know, they, hey. they can't do anything about it now. Like that, that you know that horse is out of the barn, so they they've got to keep paying you. So you're good. So you I, go. I do want to ask you because we've heard this a lot, Carrie. You you probably know where I'm going with this. When Vegas came into the league, you know similar type cities, right? It was kind of destination spots, right, where people go to visit, people go to hang out. I'm sure there's bachelorette parties in Vegas, like they're littered all over this town. But we also heard kind of the same thing that Vegas, you know, did a lot of studying of what the Predators were doing, you know, with their with the their game presentation. And so obviously Vegas wanted to do it even bigger and better. Do you you've experienced both? Do you kind of feel like they have the do you, do they have the same feel? They are out of the handful of of NHL uh buildings I've been in, they are more alike than not. Um, obviously Vegas has the strip and has, you know, they can lean into the showgirls and the strip entertainers. Well, where we're at, you know, some of the biggest stars that have ever picked up a guitar and sang into a microphone could walk to Bridgestone arena. So we're able to utilize them and have them be a part of our thing. So there's as much as they're different, they're, they're the same uh, as well. And I mean, the fan bases couldn't be any more passionate. Uh, I, I would challenge any building in the entire country to, to match the passion that you see here in Nashville. And, and Vegas has that as well. Wayne, I'm curious. So take us through like how you present yourself. So we had you on the broadcast the other night, right? And we were showing what you were doing. You were going upper bowl, lower bowl, ladies, men, you know, how do you come up with, you know, what, what's going to be your thing? I, so funny enough, I, if I think about it too much, I get nervous. And so I don't think about it. I know that I know the couple of things that people will react to. Number one, in a setting like that, it's sports, right? So it's 
male dominated. You're probably going to see guys and girls at a Preds game is probably guys two to one. Uh, some nights three to one over over a female uh, female fan through the doors. So I know that if I can if I can take that moment. And originally my idea was this is all right. Everyone makes noise, ladies only. And then I'm like, well, now let's have the ladies go after the guys back to back. So when when we're in a in a hype moment like that. It's I try to find a way that an individual crowd can cheer, you know, instead of everyone making noise together, we get louder when we're going against each other because it's like our own competitiveness in the stands. Right. Um, But when we're doing hype moments like that, I don't even I don't even think about it. I know the couple of things I want to do. And depending on I'm wearing an earpiece similar to, you know, care you're going to wear for broadcast. The only difference is they're like, okay, you know, they're about to drop the puck. You got five seconds before we're back from timeout, whatever. And if we go too long, then I'm like, I start thinking people with brown shoes. Let me hear you. (laughs) So it's, uh, but I try not to think about it and I try to, and I don't know, maybe it's good. Maybe it means I'm not prepared enough, but uh, it's, I try to just let the moment drive itself. And there's times that it doesn't come off the way I meant it, but luckily the crowd is so passionate. You really can't tell. (laughs) Is it, is it difficult when the team, you know, is, is not playing well, you know, like we've been in some instances where you, especially, you know, that, that third period, things are kind of struggling. Maybe we're down a game. Do you feel like you take it on yourself to like, okay, we got to get the crowd back into it. We need the seventh man right now. I, I do. And it's, and it's exciting, but it's also like, I, I ride myself pretty hard on it. If we do something and we're down by one, we just gave up a goal and, and really the hype is not planned. It's we plug it in wherever there's a pocket and it's needed. Um, And that's usually the third period. So if we just happen to go down by two and we're like, all right, let's plug in a hype moment. There's times that like the crowd's like, all right, bud, like we just gave up a goal. I was just chanting, let's go predators. Like I'm done for right now. And I can feel when the crowd does that. I'm like, make some noise. How are you feeling? And then like, I feel like if someone dropped their keys in three Oh three, I'd hear it on the band stage. I'm like, like I take it personal. Like I didn't, I didn't do enough to like invoke the emotion there, but it's, if it gets later in the game, I try and challenge myself to, to put the power in the fans of the people that purchase their tickets and they have a seat like, Hey, this is, you don't show up on the score sheet, but this is where you matter more than ever. So I try to convey that outside of the, you know, upper bowl, lower bowl, ladies, fellows. I think that's something, you know, Darren, that I don't, I don't think, hopefully people understand. And I think we started to realize it a lot during the COVID season when we didn't have any fans in the building is how much they actually play a part, especially in Smashville, like the standing O. I feel like for me, that is one of the coolest things that happens in the arena anywhere. I love it. And the cool thing is behind the scenes, if you have an earpiece in when that happens, uh, predominantly his name is Blake Broadus, who is kind of, uh, head coaching the the game day, you know, as soon as doors open and moving on. So he's a guy that's in my ear. Every TV timeout is planned, similar to a commercial break for, for Bally. Literally every, as soon as those doors open and the crew comes out to hit the ice and freshen it up a little bit. I mean, every second, Paul, you know, PA has got to read. And then we go to a quick, you know, commercial bumper that goes into, you know, DraftKings raving fan. All right. And then, you know, we're out of time. The lights are off in front of the penalty box. We're back from TV timeout. Um, when it starts to get loud, a standing O, maybe Soros just had an insane, you know, standing on his head save or something like that. When the crowd takes over, Blake will get in our ears. Stop, stop. Everybody hang on. Let him go. Let him go. And let him go is usually like, that's 
the fans are taking over. Let them, let them take it. And if they, if the standing O cools down a little bit, we'll still squeeze in what we can into the TV timeout. Otherwise we'll lose it. We'll lose it. Let it go. Which is, which is cool to like, I don't want to say, see the fans like kind of hijack that moment, but like they organically create something that wasn't planned throughout the night, which doesn't get to happen a lot because of how tight it is with sponsors and giveaways and, and different elements that are already going on. I think so we, uh, we had Paul McCann on the show and, and we, we talk about this, you know, we're broadcasters. We all make mistakes. Something embarrassing is going to happen. <laughs> I guess, uh, what was your moment where you look back on it and you're like, I'm never going to live this down. So it was, and this is similar to what, what you guys do in your broadcast positions as well. If there is something with emotion, if you're doing something with the children's hospital, if it's, if you're doing something with, you know, uh, hockey is for everyone, or you're doing hockey fights, cancer, there's these moments in these stories in those where you change your inflection, right? You go from, you go from ringside reporter to like, you, you humanize yourself more in that moment. So we were doing a hockey fights cancer night and I tried to knowing that I've been affected by it. I mean, if you haven't been affected by cancer somehow in your life, you're not thinking hard enough because you definitely know somebody somewhere. And I was trying to really deliver like you don't fight alone. Your families don't fight alone. Your loved one might not be here, but their fight isn't over because, you know, you got their name on the card. So as I went to say, uh, I fight hard, I'm like, we fight hard. I fight hard. And then instead of I was trying to think of where I was going next, because that's the other thing is like, I know where I'm going bullet point wise, but other like I just let it go. Like I, what's going to happen in between the bullet points. I kind of just say it as it comes out. And instead of saying, I fight hard, I said, I fart hard. (laughs) It's tough to come back from that. Uh, And especially, and it's, and this is, uh, this was pre COVID and it was when the league was taking everybody's like, you know, hold your card up moment. And it was getting shared on social media. Ours didn't get shared because it started with I fart hard. So uh, not to bring the, not to bring the program down to about a third grade level. But here we are. Kara, that's not the answer I thought we were going to get, but I'm sure I am very glad you asked it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like, I'm like almost like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I'm sure this is exactly what Paul McCann was hoping didn't get shared, you know, with his gender bending. <laughs> yep. Listen, it, it happens to the best of us. I, I will say that I have learned, and this is the the radio background in me. If you slip up a little bit, poke fun at yourself and no one's going to notice and it's going to move on and everyone's, everyone's going to forget. That one I just couldn't move on from. Because what? I'm like, what? how do you rebound after saying like, you know what I mean? Like, do you repeat the line and hope you say it right that time? Well, no, because what if you say it wrong again? So now oh. I said that line, t- no. So I just moved on. I'm like, hold your card up. We'll think about your people. Let's play hockey. That is fantastic. Wayne, Uh-oh. I've been doing live radio for 23 years. I've never made a mistake. And my, I believe that. And my nose just hit Knoxville. Uh, so we, <laughs> yeah. That, that is a true. I can't top that story, though. That's fantastic. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one that uh, it, it will live forever now. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, but I, I'm not looking for it. I'm not looking for it. <laughs> I don't want to ever, and I'm like, so I just wanted that moment. You know, I had seen the league share these other kind, you know, sweet moments that were created, you know, the in arena host talked, um, 
a friend of mine who hosted games in Tampa had a cool moment and he's talking about, it, he's talking about his mom and his grandpa, whoever it was at the time. And I was like, man, we're going to create that moment. We're going to do that here. And it's going to be special. And I just, I don't know if I put too much into it or what, but there it is. <laughs> You're listening to the predators official podcast. We are speaking with Wayne D. He is the end game host at Bridgestone arena and something that, that jumped out at me because you're in the radio world and you're on the music side of things. So you've dealt with all these musicians and entertainers over the years. And when you said everybody thinks that every game and every crowd is created equally. And as the three of us know, that is not the case, right? Sometimes, um, you know, the team is going to inflect or inject what the crowd is going to be that night. Sometimes they're not. And then sometimes it has to happen or come from somewhere else. And entertainers, as you know, because you've talked to them over the years, and I've, I've actually talked to musicians because you know this, musicians want to be athletes. Athletes want to be musicians, right? They love to, to jump in the other one's world. But they every concert is not created equally, right? You go out on stage in different cities and – one night you kill it, and the next night you're like, where is everybody? What what happened? But that that's what jumped out at me is that's probably the feeling you have sometimes where you realize, hey, this crowd, for whatever reason, they're, they're just kind of not into it tonight. We need to do something to get them going. Well, and that's, and that's the thing is it's, you know, Smashville is special because there is, I don't know if it's like, something that's been coined before, whatever, but I would call it the Smashville buzz. You know, the, you know, the minimum you're going to get from the night. And it's always most than so if you go to, to a game, I'm originally from Minnesota. You go to a, a wild game. If the team's not winning, nobody's having fun. Nobody's making noise. There isn't a DJ. There isn't flashy lights. There isn't games being played. It's like, if you're not having fun in it at a wild game, well, it's cause they're not winning. And then that's that. And you move on. Um, we have something special here and and maybe it's part of Broadway. Uh, it's obviously a large part of the crowd. You always know you're going to get the minimum, but there's always nights that are different, right? Like a Tuesday night, it's harder to invoke anything because maybe whoever has season tickets missed it because their kid had a play or a basketball game or, you know, the, you go to a holiday game. Well, maybe we're going to have our attendance will be down a little bit because people are out of town for Christmas, you know, or whatever else uh, like that. So there are nights that you look forward to where, you know, the crowd's going to bring it more for me. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday day games. It can be a little tougher to get, to get crowds going. Um, especially if, you know, we might fall behind early. Um, but other than that, I think you, I think you know what to expect from days, but there are definitely days where you have to, you have to pull more more from the crowd, like a Tuesday night game this past Tuesday, you know, thank God the boys were playing great. I mean, they were physical, they were fast, they were tough. Like it was minimal effort from me or the game day production side. Uh, but sometimes that's not the case on, on these uh, early weekday games. I feel like I got to go back because Kara pulled out that blooper story. So I feel like I need to go back to that. Well, one more time, at least give it a shot. You're also interacting Wayne with people, with fans, constantly and so there is that live element yeah you may rehearse something or go over something before the spotlight hits you guys right during a break but you're also dealing with people and you don't know what they've done whether they've been drinking all night or who they are what their personality is like if they're loud if they're quiet and they don't say anything they're embarrassed they're shy 
You have a do you have a story on an interaction with a fan or fans? So I, I the number one thing is never give up the microphone. So I do have yes. a story to say. Yes. And, and that's and I didn't learn that the hard way. It's just something I'd like. <laughs> I'm I'm driving the bus. You you can ride the bus, but I'm going to drive the bus. Kara, <laughs> um, do you know anything about not giving up the microphone? <laughs> no, but I feel like I'm like I'm here for the history lesson right yeah. now. You, you uh, can't give up the mic. <laughs> we we were doing a a hit uh, on the ice, and this was pre my time here. I made my mistakes before I got here, so when I got here, people were like, "Wow, this guy's really good." <laughs> Um, I, it was a goalie race and I had handed the microphone. I was holding the microphone, but I wasn't like death gripping it and it got taken away. And a couple of expletives were, were shared because the guy had just won the goalie race. So as he's expletiving, you know, I'm on camera diving towards him, like (laughs) making a UFC move to pull it away. They end up cutting the audio or whatever, but then it's, so later it was like, why would you ever let someone take them? And I'm like, what? He's ripping it out of my hand. We're on camera. What am I going to smack him and be like, walk away, bud? This ain't how we do this here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know for sure there's no video of that anywhere because it was immediately destroyed. <laughs> well, uh, I had that happen one time downstairs. And Kara used to be, you know, she used to be down there as well. So she would be doing her television hit and I would do the radio hit for second period intermission. And it only took one time where, one, this player, typically we would sit down at the table, but he wanted to stand. Okay, fine. I mean, I don't have a problem standing. And he didn't realize it because he was a new guy. I'll leave his name out of it. But he wanted to hold the microphone too. And he just snapped it right out of my hand. It took me by surprise, right? And so I had to do that interview, interview literally passing the microphone back and forth, which is so dangerous. Not Luckily, nothing bad ever happened. But the next time a player tried to do that, I would not. I was gonna, He was going to rip the cord out. Like, it just the interview, he wasn't going to be heard. I was not going to give that microphone up. So it's kind of fun when that happens. You know, it's like you, you do it once, and then it won't happen again. It's scary. And Carrie, I don't care. I don't see anybody ever try and grab the mic. Like nobody, like they're happy with you holding it and doing your thing. And they're, they're probably to the point where they're like, are are we done with the microphone? Like, when is this over? (laughs) The other thing is we, I did uh, in my past gig, we would do the post game interview because it was only in house that I, and maybe it's the same for you, but one of my hardest things in that aspect, which like you always get great answers and you can always hear them is when they're in your ear, like, oh, get the microphone closer, get the microphone closer, because oh, it's yeah. maybe it's a player who's not so outspoken. And literally, you're like, I'm going to hit his teeth if it's any closer. <laughs> so either turn it up on your end or we're not going to hear him. <laughs> or they say or they say, turn it down. OK, but I do have a question while we have you on, because you work on the country music side of things. And Darren and I have talked about this. How difficult is it, do you think, to sing the national anthem? Mm. We've gone back and forth. We've talked about it. So I want to know, because you, you've interviewed these artists. Are, so, are there artists that don't want to sing? A hundred million percent. Yes. And I will tell you why. I had, when I first got here, I was trying to be Mr. Like Connection Guy, right? I was like, hey, Preds, I know this guy. Maybe he'll sing. Hey, maybe this. And they're like, calm down, bud. We've been here since 98. We'll, we've, we've got the numbers already. Uh, but I had tried to hook up. Um, 
it was Brantley Gilbert was, was, was in town. This was a couple of years ago. And he was like, I'm all about doing it, but usually people won't. And I'm like, well, who, who wouldn't do it? And he named a couple of artists like, uh, Luke Combs, uh, who else did he say? He had said, uh, some, some up and coming artists too. I, I forgot who they were. And so I ended up telling his record label later. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, he said, these people won't do it. And they go, it's because nothing good can come out of it. If you absolutely kill the national anthem, you slay it. Well, you're supposed to, it's a national anthem. It's, everybody knows the national anthem. So if you kill it, it lasts five minutes. If you stumble or screw up, it lasts forever. So there's no benefit to them putting themselves out there like that. So some of these artists are like, I won't touch it. I won't. Cause if I mess up, it'll be, I'll see it on signs at shows for the next 10 years. Which I think we have to acknowledge how great the Prince anthem singers are. I mean, Tamika, Nicole, Keisha Rainey, KDO, they come in and they just kill it every night. Like unreal. And I'll tell you, I've been to other buildings where the ribbon boards that sit in between the 100 and 200 level, some, some buildings will utilize that as a, as a prompter and let the words go by. So that person has a backup. We don't have a backup. These people, they're not getting the lines fed in their ears or like they know the song they are confident about the song and they rip it out perfectly every time. Vince Gill. Which if Vince, I was on the spot, I don't know if I could do it. Could you sing the anthem, Darren? <laughs> I think we know the answer to that. Uh, that's I, I don't know if I could no. speak the anthem. I don't know if I could speak the anthem with confidence, to be honest with you. <laughs> that is a big fat no. There is not a, any amounts of alcohol or anything induced that would have me do that, Kara. So no. That's Look, I, I learned this. This is why I knew... Wayne was going to answer that way. And Carrie, you're right. We've talked about this because I remember Vince Gill. He's kind of a big deal, right? He's kind of been doing this for a long time on big stages. The first time he told me how he, he and others absolutely fear doing the national anthem. I was like, what are you serious? And he was dead serious about it. And then, you know, once you hear from somebody like Vince Gill, then you start poking around and asking others and you realize it is a theme where there's a lot of artists that are like, nope, won't go there. Won't do it. Won't do it. It's not worth it. It's, yeah. it's scary. It's a hard, they claim it's a hard and it's a hard song to do, right? It's not easy. And it's dangerous on the ice. I mean, we've seen <laughs> yes, we artists fall yes. on the ice. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. what about that? Speaking of that, so with your background, the people you know, being in the music industry and the country music industry and seeing the people that have appeared on the band stage in Smashville, uh, for people who don't realize this is not common. That's not how it works around the league. I know I've been to a lot of other buildings as Kara has as well. And obviously, Wayne, you have too. It's not common to see Alice Cooper come out on the band stage during intermission and be like, that guy sounds like Alice Cooper. Oh, wait a minute. That is Alice Cooper. Or that guy sounds like Creed. You know, Scott was a Scott strap. Stap, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stap. Yeah. Oh, because that is him. You know, that's, that's not, it's pretty cool. The artists that appear on the band stage. One of, one of my favorite moments that have happened now, this is my only my third season here. Uh, we were, this was playoffs to gosh post bubble. Right. So this was the right. The year after the bubble, um, it was still not a ton of fans in the building, but 
all of a sudden I hear, I hear somebody singing with the band, small time rock stars, who is a regular for us. Yep. Great. Um, and all of a sudden I'm like, that guy looks like Keith Urban. <laughs> and I've interacted. I don't want to say I know Keith Urban, but like I've interacted with him enough on the radio, on my radio gig side that uh, I'm like, no way. So like he comes off the stage and we like, oh, Hey, and I turn to somebody else. I go, that was Keith Urban. They're like, yeah. I'm like, that's not a big deal. The Keith Urban was there. like, yeah, he knows small time rock stars and he was here and he offered to sing the last song with them. And I'm like, where else does that happen? Like where else can that happen? That you see a guy, the level of Keith Urban who could sell out Bridgestone, just pick up a microphone for a couple of minutes during a hockey game. Like it's, it's mind blowing that that can happen here. And like, people are like, eh, Nashville, you know? Well, the other mind-blowing part, you got to experience this in the first year in Vegas. We got to experience it here, what, five years ago now, the run to the Stanley Cup final, and to see Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman just as crazed Predators fans as anybody else in the building, that's a little mind-blowing and hard to digest, too, because you don't think two people at that level, right, that they are famous and their careers, I know they're married. Uh, this couple decked out in gold and going bonkers with every play. You just wouldn't expect that from two people that are way, way up there. Well, and we did uh, we did a feature on the CMA red carpet um, for, for In Arena, and I want to say it got played on the broadcast as well, where we were interacting with artists, and, and I was wearing the reverse retro. Um, we hadn't had a reverse retro game yet, but I was wearing it and just showing it off, talking to artists and stuff. And it was funny to bump into so many different up and comers or even, you know, guys and girls like Dirks Bentley, who, who are well-documented Preds fans. I mean, Dirk's son plays for the junior Preds. I don't know what level he's at, but he plays for the junior Preds. And, uh, they're talking about, Oh, I love that Jersey. Oh, the mustard cat throwback to like have conversations like that with your favorite hockey team. But it's also, this person who's world famous, it's their favorite hockey team too. And you know, they live and die by the penalty minutes and the goals, the same as you do. It's uh it's, it, it's an unreal feeling for sure. I'll tell you that. Last thing. Have you been able to interact with the players at all? Do you ever get to do that? Um, not a ton. Um, but when I do, it's cool. Cause a lot of the guys uh, are country music fans as well. Um, I got to know Cody glass a little bit because of my time in Vegas so when he got here, we had bumped into each other um, shortly after. And he was like, whoa, how are you here? Like, how did that work? Like, almost like he <laughs> must have thought I like got traded or something. <laughs> I'm like, no, they don't, we don't, they don't trade in arena hosts. Um, uh, I've interacted with him probably the most out of anybody. Uh, Duchesne a little bit because he's a big country guy. He listens to, uh, to my, uh, my radio show. Uh, he's a big country guy too. So those are probably the two I've interacted with. Uh, the most by a long shot, but the guys, and that's the other thing that's cool is uh, probably my favorite interaction story. I'm a fan of these guys. Like anybody else is we were, it was post game stadium series last year. There was like a little Lexus lounge get together deal that I wasn't invited to, but I found my way into anyway. Uh, I'm coming out of the bathroom and this tall gentleman in a leather jacket and big hat, we almost like, you know, bump into each other. And I was like, Oh, Hey, and before I could say hi to him, he goes, oh, Wayne D, you did a great job over there, man. You do a great job for us. We're lucky to have you. Roman Yossi. Nice. Like, now I will say it's awkward that we are, I was coming out of the bathroom. He's coming in. Like, that's not like, that's not the scene I would have drawn up for that to happen. Um, 
but like to you want you want and I'm sure the same Darren for you and and the same for Kara you want to play your role in the story that gets told every night at the rink but also to know that you can connect with with these players and and the front office staff and the coaches I want to make an impact for the fans Kara wants to deliver for the fans but the but the relationship and the impact that you can make on the players at the same time to know that that that's something they value and that matters to them I mean it's like it's icing on the cake that already has three different levels to it. If that makes sense yeah. for me anyway. Yeah. Well, go on and, uh, well, that's cool. That's a, that's a cool story. And by the way, we it's, there's an art to crashing cool parties. I mean, there really is. Um, good for you for doing that, especially in the Lexus lounge. Kara knows how much I love the Lexus lounge. So you, you <laughs> hinted at your radio show. Well, go on and plug it for everybody out there. Listen to this podcast. Uh, so weekday afternoons, it's on the big 98, 97.9 from three to seven. Um, and I've, I've been here in Nashville now for two and a half years. And I mean, changing, yeah, I have two young kids and I'm married. And so changing in a dress and moving to the complete other side of the country can be terrifying, but man, it couldn't have been a softer landing. I'll tell you that much. That is awesome. Well, keep up the good work. We really enjoyed this. Thanks for doing this, Wayne. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road, and of course we'll we'll run into you at the at the arena. There's a lot of Look home forward. games coming up, so a lot there more are. home games. Yeah, so let's meet up and share a Hunt Brothers pizza or something. Low deal, absolutely. Wayne, thanks for doing this. Hey, by the way, that is after I eat with Karen in the Lexus Lounge pregame first. What? That's- well, then I better get the invite. I will definitely see you guys in the lounge. The Lexus Darren loves lounge. to come to the Lexus Lounge. That's where he scoops do. all of his stories. I mean, I'm at the point now. It's like. Do we have Lexus Lounge passes? <laughs> like I'm like okay, okay, I'll still come. I'll still come if you okay, even if we don't have. You say you got to talk passes. to Kara about something. Ain't nobody gonna question nothing. <laughs> that's, that's the name. Hey, I drop Kara hammer at the door. They don't even ask for a ticket. Some nice. <laughs> Thanks for that tip, Wayne. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, keep up the good work. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you guys both. Thanks for having me. Wayne D, everybody, in-game host in Smashville at Bridgestone Arena, Saturday night, L.A. Kings in town. We'll come back. More of the Predators official podcast next. Back here on the Predators official podcast, Darren McFarland and Kara Hammer here with you. Good stuff from Wayne D. Really enjoyed that, Kara. Uh, He had some great stories to tell, and, of course, he had the, the magical one from your question. I love, I feel like, you know, I feel kind of bad asking people like, what's your embarrassing moment? (laughs) But it makes for the best stories. (laughs) It's working. Don't, don't feel bad. We have had the best stories from Paul McCann and now Wayne D. Please don't have those thoughts. Keep asking that question. That will be my go-to question for all the next guests. (laughs) It's outstanding. Okay. So before we get out of here, it's been, um, Tough loss last night in St. Louis, um, one that I thought maybe they could use that momentum from Monday and Tuesday, and you know where they got the two-one victories over Calgary and Columbus. Remember, we talked about it last week how tricky that Buffalo game was going to be. How much head coaches hate that first home game coming off a long road trip, and sure enough, it played out, and the Sabers got them five to three. But they rebounded nicely on Monday and Tuesday night with wins over Calgary and Columbus, and I was hoping that that would carry over to St. Louis, and unfortunately it didn't do that last night. 
No, I think, uh, you know, I, I worked the, the, the three games at Bridgestone Arena, obviously the back-to-back -back with Calgary and Columbus. Coach Hines felt like they were playing well. He just, he needed more. And I, this is, uh, it's a little bit controversial right now on the Twitter, but the fatigue of the team, I do feel like, you know, this is a long stretch. The guys have been playing a lot of games. I think everybody's looking a little bit forward to the break. It's just how, you know, this is a little bit of gut check time, Darren. How much can they pull out of their, how much gas is left in the tank before they hit the break? Yeah, these are three huge games, to your point. Three huge games before the All-Star break. I mean, they have got to make, hey, three huge games at home before mm -hmm. the All-Star break. So they have got to make this work and collect. Dare I say it, you know, they honestly, they need all six points. But, I mean, you you got to get four, really pushing the envelope to five. Obviously, the goal is six. But you need to be in that four four at the least, really five points out of the six, right? I mean, that's that's kind of where they are in this season right now. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, there's only, what, 36, 37 games left? Yeah, not a lot of games left. So I think uh, I think there's been a lot of positives to build off of, you know, Yuso Parson, and he is still playing phenomenal. Yep. We've seen some scoring from Cody Glass. I like the line changes that they did. I liked him switching Cody Glass up and playing with Forsberg and Duchesne and, and putting Parson on, the, on that line. I mean, last night I felt like the team really struggled in the face-off circle. I think that was one of the deterrents to the game. But before that, going back to that Columbus game, I mean, how good was Colt Sissons in the face-off circle? He has been phenomenal. Well, he's made a career out of that, quite honestly. He's, he's won a whole lot of draws in his career mm -hmm. with the Predators. And what was that last night or – this week was game 500 for him, right? It's hard to believe. Last night, yeah. Colton Sissons. Scored a goal in, in game 500. He's already played in 500 games. 500 NHL games. How time flies. There was some good news on the big rig. Michael McCarron, right? It looks like he has completed uh, the NHL player assistance program is ready to play hockey again. The Predators had to put him on waivers first. He cleared waivers. He'll go back to Milwaukee. David Poyle, the general manager, said we're grateful for Michael's progress while in the NHL, NHLPA player assistance program, and we'll welcome him back to active status in the organization with open arms. And so, like I said, it looks like he will start back in Milwaukee with the Admirals. Yeah, love to have uh, Michael McCarron back. Hopefully we'll see him up, you know, w with the with the Preds soon. Another positive of this week, Darren, we saw Mark Borvietsky out at Bridgestone Arena. He was collecting coats for the Predators Foundation. We still don't have an update on his return, but, you know, always good to have Boro back back in the arena. No doubt about it. And one other big piece of news when it comes to this franchise and this team before we get out of here, Kara, is the NHL debut in Montreal since we did our last podcast of Yaroslav Askarov. Of course, their goaltender of the future, the number one prospect in their pipeline. And we got a chance to see him in Montreal. Uh, I guess Lankinen was under the weather. Uh, it was a back-to-back -back situation where they went from Toronto to Montreal. Saros played in Toronto in the tough loss to the Leafs. Enter Askarov against Montreal. So, look, he's 20 years old. If you're asking me my assessment, my assessment was – 
at times he looked like a 20-year-old rookie making his NHL debut, and at times he looked like the number one prospect in their pipeline and the future, right? Which is kind of what you would expect from his NHL debut at 20 years old. I felt that that game was so entertaining, and I don't think it was just me. You know, I I normally listen or watch – our Predators broadcast, but that night I happened to watch the Montreal broadcast. Sometimes I like to check in on the visiting teams and commentator. I mean, they kept talking about how entertaining he was, how far out of the crease he was coming, you know, how much he was challenging the Habs. And they said, if anything, it's entertaining right now. Like they were, they were up on the netminder as much as we are. So was this the English version for the Canadians? I did watch the English version, yes. No uh, no French for me. No French, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. Look, when the news came out, that, and I know that he had been recalled, and it was like, wow, are they really is he really going to start? And when word got out, of course, that he was going to start against the Habs, I mean, it was cool. Like, I was excited. Like, I know a lot of Predators fans were, right? We've heard so much about him over the last couple of years. Started off in the KHL. Their whole goal was to get him over here. They finally get him to North America. They get him in Milwaukee. He's been playing well. But, you know, he is the future. Whenever that is, down the line, we've heard so much about him. I think he's the highest. No Russian goaltender has ever been drafted that high in the NHL draft, not by the Predators, by anybody. So no really? Russian goaltender's ever been drafted that high before in NHL history, and so there's a lot of hype around him, and I wanted to see it. So I was excited, like a lot of Predators fans and you, to actually see his NHL debut. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, Darren, I, I feel like one thing the Predators have going for them so much right now is goalies. Yep. UC Soros has been phenomenal this year, but we have to also give some credit to, to Kevin Lankinen. I mean, he came in, he had a, had a record, what was it, 39 saves the other night in his win for the team. So I, it's so good to have, you know, we had Pekka to have UC, now UC Lankinen, and then a score off down in Milwaukee that come up when we need him. Yeah, Lankinen is a guy they trust. It's always good to trust your backup goaltender. The Predators have had that luxury for a long time in this organization. A lot of franchises don't have that luxury of being able to trust your backup goaltender to put them out there in any situation and not hope and have the fingers crossed and pray that your team will find a way to get a win. I think they feel very good about Kevin Lincoln. I think, unfortunately, it was something, the position they were not in last year with David Reddick, right? I mean, I think they had lost kind of faith in him as the backup but uh, they don't – I think they, they don't – and by the way, if you've met Kevin Lankinen, he is a super nice guy. He's an easy guy to root for. Easy guy. And you got to love his, his nickname, Lanky Legs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, good stuff, Kara. A lot of fun again here on the Predators Official Podcast. That will do it for this episode. Appreciate Pat and Cook for spinning the dials with us. As always, Wayne D for being our very, very special guest. For Kara Hammer, I'm Darren McFarland. Have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you next week for the next installment of the Predators Official Podcast.